Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Invoking Witchcraft Podcast. I am your co-host, Jay Allen Cross, and I am here with... Britton Boyd, also known as Archaic Honey on Instagrams. And we are so excited to be talking to you now this week. But Britton, I did have a great question for you. Since we are both pretty rural, but you're kind of the one who is able to get out into the wilderness and commune with nature. Do you Mm -hmm. have an update on us for uh, your local flora and fauna situation? What is in bloom? What is exciting? Oh my gosh, I have a big update. One, it rained. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Yes, we got two days of rain. We haven't, that was like our second rain this spring. And um, it was so needed. It's so dry here. Like all the wildflowers in the, I live in a sagebrush steppe uh, ecology. The the wildflowers are just not popping. Like they're very patchy and it's really sad. Like last year we had Mm. good rains. And so the, um, the rain was just a blessing. I've been praying and praying for rain, but I went morel hunting (gasps) over the weekend And I harvested, it was from a dream. I harvested six pounds of morels. That's a lot of shrooms. Yes. We found um, what is referred to as a honey hole. Oh, dirty. I know. A little sexy. (laughs) (laughs) And go on. (laughs) Really, when you come upon a honey hole of mushrooms, like edibles, you just lose your mind. And I was with my sweetie and we're walking along And we hit this area where I knew morels grew. And I was like, okay, here's where the morels are going to start popping up. Well, I found a few off off the trail because we were hiking along a trail. And my sweetie has like long range vision where I have like close up vision. So we Mm. really complimented each other while we were hunting. And he happened to look up the slope and he was like, holy shit. And the slope was covered in morels. (gasps) Oh yes, my gosh. it was just literally from a dream. It was a dream come true to harvest them. So I cut them with a knife. And then, you know, I don't know, I'm not like a mycologist or fungus expert or anything. But when you look up close, you can see that they are starting to spore out, you can see the spores mm. on the outside of them. So what I do is I tap them to make sure the spores hit the ground. Oh, yeah, to kind of help the populations and whatnot and blow on them. Um, Ethical harvesting, expert. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not an expert, but, you know, I feel like it's doing a little something. And I always leave a few mm. mushrooms around or morels around. But it was just, it was a blessing. It just felt like a gift. Yeah, those are wonderful. And they are delicious. You can put them in all kinds of things. For those of you out there who are wondering what we're talking about, um, morels are a type of edible mushroom that are delicious. Now, what where what kind of places do morels usually grow in? Are they at, like the base of trees or is it like shady wet places or? So you, there's like, I'm not an expert, y'all. So if there is a fungus expert out there listening to this, please, no angry emails. <laughs> <laughs> we're just doing um, our best. <laughs> We're trying real hard over here. 
Um, so what I notice about morels from my area is that they will grow in old burns. They usually mm. pop up the following spring if there's a burn in the previous year. Oh. Um, but I actually haven't found any burnt, burned morels or morel burns. Mm. Um, where I found mine, I was about 5,000 feet of elevation. The snow melt had melted off a few weeks prior. We had a rain. Um, there was a warming cycle and then a cooling cycle. And that usually spurts up the growth. Mm. And I was finding them underneath, um, we call them tamaracks or larch, larch trees, um, ponderosa pine, firs, and spruces. So Mm. it was a a mountainous area. And a friend of mine on Instagram gave me the Latin names for the types of morels I was harvesting because they're different species of morel. But I didn't know which species it was and i totally forgot which ones they were but (laughs) (laughs) i just know they're morels luckily morels are really easy to identify there's like there's like a couple things that look sort of like them but once you once you know what you're looking for they're they're pretty easy to spot and so you're you're not super likely to accidentally poison yourself so that's Mm -hmm. they're they're kind of a good one to start with if you're new to mushrooms so Yes, there is a lookalike out there called the false morel. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you uh, if you do your research, there's a book called um, what is it called? Sorry, y'all, forgot the name of the book. Anyway, if you find a basic mushroom IDing book, you'll be able to tell the difference between a false morel and a morel. And the the look they do look alike, but it's distinct and they're quite different from each other. So you can securely identify them. Yeah, I just had to Google it right now. And I, I, I can see how people would maybe get them mixed up because they do kind of have that same ridged look, but they are very distinctly different when, once you know kind of what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. so I remembered the name of the book, All That the Rain Promises and More. Oh. And the cover of the book has a gentleman in a tuxedo playing a trumpet. Oh. I know. <laughs> That's exactly what I would expect. I- <laughs> right? Mushroom people are really, really weird folks. So, um, yeah, this is now a mushroom podcast, by yeah, the way. We stand the yeah. mushrooms. I love that. Well, that brings us perfectly into our topic for the day, where we are going to be talking about plants and plant allies and all the wonderful things that they bring us. Both Britton and I are very into plants, um, herbs, all kinds of things and their magical uses and and kind of getting to know them on a spiritual level. So the first thing I think we should go through is kind of like, you know, ways that we find plants in or or certain states that we find plants in, whether that's potted or dried or, or tinctures or things like that, and kind of what their uses are and how we can kind of get to know the plant spirits through each of these. Mm-hmm. And so the first one is kind of like, um, you know, the plants themselves in the ground grow and doing their things, whether this is in a garden or out in kind of the forest area. How do you kind of like come upon them and maybe build relationships with them out in, in kind of their natural growing state? You know, do you, mm-hmm. do you have a way of, of saying hello to them or getting to know them, anything like that? One thing that I really like to do, and you, you can do this pretty much anywhere, Um, even in a city, because a lot of folks tend to glorify, you know, city versus country, rural, Mm -hmm. whatnot, and feel that they don't have access. And all you have to do is go for a walk around the block or, you know, go to your local park. But what I like to do is just take a walk. 
Mm-hmm. And while I'm taking my walk, I know I just pay attention to what's growing out of the cracks of the sidewalk, what's growing in folks' yards, or you know, sometimes you'll find like a an empty lot, mm-hmm. and you can just kind of peruse around there. But I I take notice of who jumps out at me. Have you mm-hmm. ever just gone on a a walk or a hike, and there's this one plant that's like, hey, like it almost like it lights up. A little yes. bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, definitely. It starts to glow and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, what's going on? <laughs> that, that is what you want to pay attention to. So that's usually how I can take the first step in getting to know a plant. And then if I don't know who they are, um, I bust out my handy dandy um, picture this app. Um, it's got a weird name, but it's called picture this and it's a plant ID app. I do cheat. I use a plant identification app, or um, I have some basics in keying out plants. Mm. And that's what botanists do to identify a plant. And you can usually just tell by the way it's growing and the way it looks, the way the leaves are veined or the Mm. way the flower, the way it's flowering, you can kind of key out who it is and what family they're in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of go from there and I just sit with them and touch them a little bit and then like, what what message do you have for me? Just some gentle plant fondling. <laughs> Highly recommend. I have been mm-hmm. told too that if you go to like, um, I, I think it's like your local like county agriculture office or, or like Department of Agriculture. I'm not sure specifically where it is, but you can get like little booklets. Yeah, that that have the kind of like um, native and invasive species like identification little booklets and things like that that you can use. I haven't gone to get one yet, but I have been told that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes. Definitely hit up your local state parks or uh, forest service place. Cause they mm-hmm. will have um, lots of resources on the specifically for that location, the local mm-hmm. plants. There's even in a lot of places, especially if you live more rural, um, there tends to be like, um, like societies, like like the native plant society or like things like that, where people do a lot of like wildcrafting or like helping with like local plants and stuff like that. Um, so if you find those, you can indeed um, kind of get involved with other people and kind of learning about them as well if you're looking for resources. One thing that I really love about, you know, plants in the ground growing, living their life, whether they're in your garden or, you know, somewhere that you find them is a lot of times when it comes to magic, people think that they have to use a processed version of the plant, whether it's in an oil or dried and cut and sifted or, you know, in a tincture or in an incense or something like that in order for it to be magical. What I think a lot of people sleep on is the fact that you can come up to a plant, whether it's like a rose bush or, um, you know, a bunch of peonies or, or whatever it is that you find and work magic with them directly the way that we would work with like a saint or a deity or things like that. Talk to it, ask it to bring you something that's kind of within its wheelhouse or to help you with something and then leave Mm -hmm. offerings and see what happens. You don't have to take it apart necessarily or take pieces with you in order for it to be magical. You can approach a plant that's still in the ground um, and ask it for help. And you might be surprised at what comes through when you do that. Mm -hmm. Really cultivating that relationship is key. And so much can happen if you just sit at the roots of an alder tree. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one of my first really intense plant experiences by sitting next to the alder in my backyard. Uh, And I developed a a long term and still continuous relationship to alders. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And um, yeah, just sitting with them is uh, is really profound. So don't, yeah, like Jay said, don't discount just hanging out with them. Um, you can directly experience plant medicine without having them in a concentrated form. And mm. so like when I say plant medicine, I mean the whole spectrum of mm. like the their energetic presence and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, I love that kind of magical use of the term medicine. Like as a, as a Native American, we use that that term very, um, very broadly for all things kind of healing and magical and things like that. So so medicine can sometimes be wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. that we gain from it or or something like that. So I, I absolutely love that. And you bring up an interesting thing too that I was planning on talking about later, but we should talk about it now. Is what about trees? When people oh, yeah. talk about plant magic, they forget about trees, which are just really big plants. Really? I know. I had this really silly experience. I was driving um, out to this canyon recently, and um, I was in the, I was blessedly in the passenger side of the car, so I could just like stare at the plants as I was driving as we were driving by. And um, the ponderosa are these beautiful red barked pines. They have gorgeous cinnamon colored bark and these just they're tall and big and they just jut out from the ground. And I was looking at them along the hillside and I was just like, I had a psychedelic moment. I was like, trees are these massive plants. Like, how did they get here? Why are they so huge? (laughs) And like, we really, you know, the forest for the trees, we all often miss them. And don't yeah. think about their presence because we really take them for granted, you know, but they're, they're the ones holding it down and cleaning our air and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. You make a great point. Yeah. About trees. And they're so old, at least like you can find ones that are just hundreds of years old. And I'm like, what have you seen? What have you experienced? Gosh, there was this book. Oh God. Now I'm having a flashback. Um, that we read in like the sixth grade. I think it was called i'm googling it right now uh i believe it was called the ancient one or the old one um but it's about this really old tree the ancient one yes it's about this really old tree that serves as like a portal to another place but it kind of revolves around this idea of trees being you know being around for so long that they develop this really deep wisdom and i think that that's something that we shouldn't ever discount is this this idea that they've seen so much same thing with like rocks and like boulders and things Mm -hmm. like that. I find them to just be so wise because they've been around for so long, just watching us try to live as people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. If anyone ever gets a chance to visit the redwoods in Northern California, like that is just the most humbling experience Mm -hmm. to stand. Have you ever been to the redwoods? I have not, but I did see a hilarious meme the other day that was like, the Redwoods are canceled. They're so old that they got to be racist, so they're canceled. <laughs> I think they transcend it. Yeah, I I don't, I'm not sure the Redwoods are, are capable of racism at this point. Oh, they're canceled on TikTok, let's say that, right? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my gosh, that's hilarious. But yeah, I've never the re- been there. It looks amazing. It's incredible. Um, you just, you're dwarfed by these ancient beings everywhere around you. It just, and there's a whole world up in their branches. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole other place. Crazy. Entirely mm-hmm. new realm. I have this weird thing. And like my husband doesn't know what to do with me. This poor guy. I have this thing about touching trees. 
like I'll just like find a tree and I'm just like friend and then I'll just be standing over there just like with my palm like on its trunk just like listening and I'm not even sure myself what's happening while this is happening but I really like to sort of just like make that connection I almost feel like I can feel them breathe or or almost like there there's a heartbeat in them or something they they, they're just so alive I mean clearly they are they are alive but I mean there's this sort of energy and this this pulsating that I that I find in trees and I find them Mm -hmm. to have um interesting personalities too and kind of depending on what kind of tree they are and um you know how old they are and things like that all all plays a factor into how I experience them I guess it's the same thing with plants I find that different plants have different personalities um but but trees are so much more um there's an intense strength about them and Mm -hmm. wisdom that I that I don't feel like we find anywhere else they're kind of like the whales of the plant world. You're just like, what even are you? <laughs> like, right. I think of the Ents from Lord of the Rings yes. and how their language is is slower. They're mm-hmm. steady. They're not too hasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I just finished watching the whole Lord of the Rings and Hobbit trilogies. So I'm a little like nerded out right now Nerd. <laughs> thinking about Ents. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm on to Star Wars, so <gasps> yes, I am very love Star, into Wars. Star Wars. That's yeah, I love thing. it so much. Mm-hmm. All right, so what about potted plants? Do, do do you find a slight difference in your interaction with the plants when they're potted versus like when they're in the ground or in the wild or things like that, or or the way that you interact with them? Um, you know, not too much. You know, there is a wildness about wild plants um, mm. or a, pl- a plant growing in the crack of a sidewalk or something like that. They, they're dealing with a little bit more um, intensity of elements, in my opinion. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're just ex- they're so exposed and, you know, the soil is often not the greatest. So they're, you know, often with a potted plant, they're getting this like nice, rich mm sumptuous soil and whatnot so it's a little it seems like a softer um more more cultivated space and whatnot Mm -hmm. Um, but i had an interesting experience years and years ago i was in portland and i was obsessed with solomon seal i really wanted to find some solomon seal to work with so that i can get some wisdom (laughs) and whatnot you know i was walking along like 68th and gleason And it was, it's a busy, busy road because it takes you to one of the main highways there. And lo and behold, there is a shit ton of Solomon seal and a, and a planter on the side of the road. And I was just like, of all the places that I was going to encounter Solomon seal, it's here on the side of this busy road. In a planter. In in a planter, just a weedy planter was abandoned. (gasps) Did you steal it? You know what? I didn't take any roots for some reason. I think I had some stuff going on in my personal life where I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? Just not fully present, but I saw them and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, I also don't know if anyone was watching over the planter. So I was a little nervous about just getting out there and digging in front of all these people. (laughs) Um, I was being a a, kind of a lazy witch, but that's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't really note it. I mean, there's a little bit of a difference there, but you know, that was still a very potent experience uh, mm-hmm. with a potted plant, finding Solomon seal and experiencing their presence. Absolutely. How about, how about you? 
Um, I agree in a lot of ways. It kind of like a like a wild plant versus a potted plant. It's a little bit like a wolf versus a Labrador retriever. Like there's like one that's kind of domesticated and like the other one that's kind of like out there, like really in it. Um, but I, I, I do find that potted plants can be very versatile in the way that they are. We can transport them. We can we can move them different places. Um, they're very mobile, which I love. And so we can do things with them. Like we can pot, we can like pot like protective plants, like um, rosemary or rue or things like that, and then set them outside of our front doors. Um, they're, they're a lot more kind of useful in that regard, which is nice. Um, I, I do find that there's a bit of a difference in, in strength with something that is potted versus something that is in the ground simply because ones that are in the ground have, have a much deeper connection to a, a, a much larger kind of, well, I mean more to the earth versus just like in, into a pot of earth, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do find them to be super useful. And, and I like working with potted plants to get to know certain plant spirits because we have to care for them directly. We spend a lot of time with them. We get to talk with them. We get to see them through all their phases, whether they're blooming or, or, or whatnot. And I think whether or not we are gardening or wild tending or working with potted plants, I think getting to know a plant spirit, you have to kind of observe them through all the seasons and through Mm -hmm. all their cycles. You have to experience them when they, you know, wither to basically near death and drop all these seeds and things like that. And then also in the spring when they're coming back to life again and they're so tiny because like like plants when they first pop out look nothing like they look like when they're finished, you know, when they're at full full growth. So so to, to see them in like their little early stages is so helpful in getting to know them because I feel like it they're is. like us in a little ways. Like, you know, we look back at ourselves and like, you know, elementary school or whatever. And you're like, what the heck even were you? And now you're, you know, a full grown adult person. It's a very different experience. And I find that plants can kind of be that way too, but kind of getting them, getting to know them throughout all of it is, is really wonderful. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the way that a lot of people in our community know plants is going to be through the the dried herb version of it that we find, you know, the cut and sifted. This is the stuff that we're often sprinkling in our spell work and on our candles and things like that. For me, when I get to know these, something that's really important, if I'm getting to know a plant spirit that's already dried that I don't have living in front of me, is to open up the bag and smell it. Yes. I feel that tells you a lot right off the bat what you're working with. Cause some of them are like really spicy while as other ones are really kind of like earthy and very kind of like very mellow. Other ones are very fragrant, like lavender and things like that will completely overpower you. How do you like to get to know dried herb? This one's a tough one for me. Yeah. yeah I feel like this is the challenging one, but I really love what you just shared of opening Mm. the bag and really taking that deep inhalation of all the aromatics from the plant. It makes me think of Damiana because Damiana is, you know, obviously not a plant that grows around here. I don't even know if I could grow it in a garden, but, um, or at least here where I live, um, you know, Damiana has this like beautiful, slightly green, deep, sensuous smell it's gorgeous and when you smell it you're just like oh yes this is definitely sexy time yes um what i like to do is like especially when it comes to like utilizing the herb and spell work i will um i'll put a little sprinkle of it in my hand and cup my other hand over it Mm -hmm. and 
put my face near it and um, kind of like tuck my hands into my the palm of my hands and or my face into the palm of my hands and then um, do some deep breathing and pray over it and say, hey, mm-hmm. like, I would like to get to know you better. Um, what message do you have for me, etc. And then if um, I'm wanting to get to know the plant, I will put it in a muslin bag or like a little baggie and sleep with it next to me by my head or tuck it mm-hmm. under my pillow um, to do dream work with the plant. Plants are really accessible through dream time. Yeah, they do. They have so much to say, which is so funny because people think of plants and they don't really go anywhere. They don't really say anything. But spiritually and psychically, and especially in things like dream work, they have a lot to say. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I am realizing though that I forgot to ask you a question about one of our earlier uh, topics. When when we're finding these plants that are um, in the ground or in the wilderness, and we're working with them directly, um, it's nice to leave offerings for them when you yes. ask them for things. So, say you found a rose bush, and you come to it, and you're like, "Please make Johnny love me." Uh, there is no Johnny. Well, maybe there's a Johnny. I don't know. But I'm uh, so in love with Johnny. Just an arbitrary Johnny we're throwing out there. Uh, then, then, then what, what do we leave for it? I like to leave honey. Oh. It, everybody loves sweet treats for the most part. Hmm. Um, I like, that's kind of like my default thing. I'm also a tobacco smoker and I specifically smoke loose leaf. Uh, I rolling tobacco. Hmm. So I do leave like a pinch of tobacco if it feels appropriate. If the plant hmm. is like requesting that. Um, cause I, I smoke. Or a piece of my hair. Um, I've left my hair with uh, elder uh, or elderberries. Um, they really sp- specifically wanted hair. <laughs> it's like, you witch. <laughs> <laughs> um, or uh, cream or milk uh, as well. Like those are kind of my default offerings uh, with plants. But usually, you, you know, you can ask to. I've had plants ask for meat. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And I think that does bring up something important too, is, is to ask, you know, what it, what it wants. Um, I mean, you can go at it a couple of different ways. You can be like, I have this thing that I'm planning on giving you. Is this fair for taking that? And they might be like, yeah, or they might be like, nah. Um, but sometimes when you ask them, they do come back with some interesting things sometimes when you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, normally I, I am just forever unprepared. So I, I usually don't have an offering with me because I'm usually just like stumbling across a plant and being like, oh my God, I need to bring you home with me. Um, so it's usually just kind of whatever is on me. I have left um, coins from the little cup holder in my car. Uh, but, but normally it's, it's going to be something like my hair because that's something that I bring with me everywhere. And usually I have some sort of sharp implement that I'm just like lopping off a piece of it with and leaving it behind. Um, but uh, I, I usually have like a bottled water in my car too. So I'll give them water or um, what a lot of people don't realize is that like Epsom salt is actually something that you can use as like a fertilizer because it has the magnesium in it. Um, and so that's something I add to like my potted plants and, and whatnot. And sometimes I'll take like a little bit of that and like sprinkle it around the base and like add some water onto it. And they like that. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, so offerings, offerings are good. Definitely do that. Yeah. The other thing that I would like to add is if you're a person that menstruates, you can do 
blood as well. And I would dilute it. I mean, you could do it straight um, depending on how you acquire it. Um, but I like to dilute mine because um, it feels really concentrated. Um, but that can be something. But I would also like be mindful, like maybe you have already have a working relationship with that plant. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's a pretty intense thing to offer up. Um, but yeah. it also does act as fertilizer. So mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. So our next sort of category here is one of my favorites because up until now, we've been working with plants in this very, in, in their own physical form as, as plants themselves, whether they're dried or in a pot or in the ground or anything like that. But there are times in which we can sort of extract this plant spirit and release it into a different element, um, such as a water um, or an alcohol. And that's through like tinctures and teas, mm-hmm. um, which honestly, the tincture is my most favorite way to get to know um, to know plant spirits. I actually, a long time ago at a, a circus festival with Tara, they led a class that was about getting to know plant essences. And so what they had us do is we like sat in a circle and they passed around like a tincture of a specific kind. And we each took like one drop of it. And then since we were circus folk, we would then see how we felt like the, uh, from, from the effects. And so sometimes we'd take one and we'd all just kind of like sit there and feel very meditative. Other times we'd like get up and like start like doing our, our circus things. You know, I, I was a, I was a hula hooper at the time. Um, so there was, it was really interesting to see how even just one drop of this plant would change our energy and our moods and things like that. And then we got to know what it was like based on those results. So Tara did a wonderful job with that. And I mm-hmm. think about that workshop a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sitting with plants. That's what I learned in herb school. I think Tara and I went to the same uh, herbalism school in Portland. Mm. And, and that's that's what we did. Yeah, we would sit in a group and pass around a bottle and take a few drops and then collectively sit and kind of come up with like a collective response which was really cool to have that happen. And sometimes, um, oftentimes I was like the anomaly of where I was like, I want to fight this plant <laughs> or something like that. Aries energy. I know. I was just like, y'all, this is too much. Um, but th- that's really fun doing like sitting and meditating with the tincture. And r- literally, like Jay said, it takes one drop. Yeah. Plants, like they may not be like directly psychoactive, but I think they are. Yeah, you know, at least like on the energy. Yeah. Oh. Like they are, um, they're psychedelic to me. Mm-hmm. Wild. Absolutely. And of course, if you're going to be ingesting any sort of plant, whether it is in a tincture or a tea, of course, do your research, make sure that it is safe for you to take. Um, but I, I really find that ingesting some of these safe, simple herbs is a great way to really learn about them, whether it's how they taste or, you know, do... Are, are they spicy or are they floral? Things like that. And if you don't want to necessarily um, do like the tincture route, you can do like essences too. If you're looking for something that's like a little less intense. Um, I, I really like to go the, the essence route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the other things that we can do here, apart from getting them into sort of a liquid state, we can also get them into a, um, a, a gas, if you will, or a smoke, um, by 
making by, you know, lighting it on fire, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. So we can get to know these um, through either directly smoking them. Sometimes people will smoke their herbs. And other times we can do it through incense and whatnot. But either way, we're using fire to release the plant spirit into a, a an air form, essentially. Um, have you have you smoked any of your herbal plant allies? In in which way, like inhalation or just uh, smoking? Well, I, I guess both. I mean, <laughs> both, let's yeah. start with inhalation. Okay, yeah. Um, I have. I do like to smoke herbal smoking blends and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to use air quotes. Mullen is invasive out mm-hmm. here. I have um, some opinions on invasive plants. <laughs> and whatnot but um i like to dry mullen and i like to remove for anyone who might be drying mullen and wanting to make their own smoking blend a good trick yeah. to get a nice fine smoking blend is to remove the center stem Ooh, yes. um, so that you don't have the hard crispy chunky bits and whatnot in it um so i did a blend of um it was all wild gathered from my area and i felt really lucky to be able to do this um i did skull cap mugwort and mullen and um skullcap grows wild out here and it was a super relaxing smoking blend it was really fantastic um you just dry it all and then uh you roll it up or you could put it in a pipe uh whatever works for you and Mm -hmm. um yeah i burn plants all the time i'm showing jay my um big sage or sage brush here um I like to burn that all the time. It's really fantastically fragrant. Um, and I actually just recently harvested a bunch of juniper and sagebrush and made a bunch of bundles, smoke Ooh. bundles. Yes. And they smell so good right now as they're drying. And I, I really can't wait to burn them up. That sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll send you one. <gasps> yes, please do. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the, the smoking, I have done the smoking too. I, I did go through a a long phase where I was making my own herbal blend cigarettes. Um, Things like Mullen are super nice for it. I also really enjoyed the blue vervain. Um, Smoking the blue vervain was very calming for me. Um, It helped me survive a job in a call center. Um, (laughs) Was me just smoking blue vervain just to stay real calm. Um, You can use catnip as well. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and that's also very calming. Now, of course, anything that you are inhaling that is smoke is not necessarily going to be good for you. Um, but you know, there are, we can get their effects through this manner. Um, and especially the mugwort one, I really like to do that. Um, and I'll either burn it as like an incense or, or I'll smoke a little bit of it sometimes before psychic work. Um, or maybe before doing dream work, because Mugwort is such an intense dream plant. She has mm-hmm. so much to show you on that on that other side. It really, really does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So apart from the ones that we've kind of gone through, are there other methods that you like to use to kind of get to know them or work with them? Hmm. I'm thinking. Um, I think we covered them for covered a lot, but um you know, let's talk about oils for just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so oil infusions, I'm, um, I do use essential oils, um, but I'm not of the doTERRA, doTERRA or like Young Living 
mm-hmm. style of essential oil use. I do not ingest essential oils. Uh, please don't. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, friends don't let friends ingest essential oils. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, but they're, you know, they're really potent. And I know there's really strong opinions about the use of essential oils. It does take a lot of plant matter to create an essential oil, mm-hmm. a lot. Some plants, um, it takes less because they just are naturally high in the volatile oils. Um, but other plants like roses, for example, it does take quite a lo- an amount. Um, but, you know, one thing, like as a person who makes perfume, I, you know, there are small families that have farms, you know, and so it's like sourcing your essential oils appropriately um, and knowing that you're purchasing from like a family in Bulgaria who's extracting rose essential oil for probably hundreds of years mm-hmm. um, that you're supporting them. So just being mindful of where your essential oils come from. But I really love to use plants in anointing oils. And one that I've been dwelling on lately, I know I'm probably going off on a tangent, but I could talk about this all day, <laughs> is I want to create a holy mother oil. Oh my God. Yes. And I want to really dedicate it to Mary, Inanna, Mary Magdalene, Ishtar, um, and this, this rose, this queen of the roses. And I wanted to use rose and spikenard because that is what Mary Magdalene used on the feet of Jesus and anointed him with. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to use some spices like cardamom and cinnamon. And make that in like orris root and angelica and just create this really fantastic holy mother blend. Um, so, you know, you can create these oils and then anoint yourself with them. And they're very powerful, but dilute, dilute, dilute. Mm. You really don't, you don't want to use, they refer to this as using oils as neat. And neat oil is when it is undiluted. And you want to do a high dilution. You don't need to be gobsmacked by your anointing oil you want to be kicked in the face by nature right so yeah those are just some things to keep in mind with essential oils but i think they're they're valuable and um and useful but again like i said definitely dilute oh i love that idea for that oil and i will definitely be purchasing that because that sounds amazing and i am really into that idea so the other thing i want to talk about too is something that i think people sleep on a lot when we were talking about plant magic and whatnot People really discount flowers. Yes. Right? Like people are into like, you know, the leaves and like the nettles and things like that, which like I totally understand. But flower power, I am, I've been very interested in lately. I was on um, Tess Whitehurst's podcast and she sent me a copy of her book, The Magic of Flowers. And personally, I think that this should be on everyone's shelf right next to like Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs and things like that. Because she she goes at it from pretty much specifically the the flowers themselves, um, and it's really really fascinating. I I do love it. I'm I'm actually sitting here playing with it right now. Um, mm-hmm. But it's 
it's a, it's a wonderful book. And I really think that people should not discount flowers because flowers can be extremely potent. I mean, we talk about something like the lavender plant, which we use mostly kind of the flower part of it is so intense and overwhelming with its scent. Like a lot of times people think, oh, lavender's just there for like a little bit of luck or a little bit of whatever. They kind of think it's kind of like this dainty little thing, but it's so strong. I mean, talk about opening up a, a package and getting a whiff of that. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. lavender can be a very intense plant. This actually happens a lot with most flowers. And as a person who suffers from allergies, let me tell you, these dainty little little flowers will absolutely knock me on my ass every spring. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Yeah, I love that you're bringing up flowers. Kind of forgot about that. Um, Flower essences are another medicine that you can use to connect with a plant. Um, Flower essences are where you take a flower from a stand of plants. Uh, Usually it's one species um, with their flower. You snip them and you put them into a bowl of water and allow them to sit in the sun, um, it doesn't always have to be a sunny day. You can make really like spirit of place flower essences or um, or atmospheric flower essences. You allow them to sit for a few hours in a bowl of water and then you strain it and add alcohol to preserve it. And then you have what's called a mother essence. And then you further dilute that into another, your dosing bottle. Um, you can go to the internet and find out how to make a flower essence. It's very easy. And you can easily do it with any of the flowers growing in your yard or in your locality. Um, But it's a very subtle medicine. You don't taste it. um, And it works on a deep energetic level. It's really Mm -hmm. subtle. Um, But I really love flower essences. I use them every day. Absolutely. And what kind of alcohol do you use to preserve them in? Do you use like a vodka? Or I think, isn't brandy the traditional one you use? Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah, I use brandy. Oh, that sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so on top of that, I do have a question for you. When you're working with plants, do you pay attention at all to like their, um, their elemental correspondences or like their planetary correspondences when you're choosing which ones to work with? A little bit. I used to be obsessed with, a doing correspondences with plants, with planetary and astrological stuff. Mm-hmm. But lately, these days, I don't so much anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've been really focused on just like the spirit of the plant themselves. Um, but, you know, like, like I was saying earlier about creating this holy mother oil, like it's very Venetian. So mm-hmm. a lot of those plants are under the rulership of Venus, for example. Mm-hmm. And like, let's say we wanted to make a money blend. Um, we might use plants of Jupiter or plants of Venus mm-hmm. and and whatnot. There's a really great website called Alchemy Dash Works um, that has an excellent uh, chart that breaks plants down by their planetary and elemental rulership. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone out there who's interested in that, but you know, I don't know. My practice has just evolved in a way, and and you know, these days I really work with wild plants. Um, and native plants and whatnot, that I, I don't tend to think about them in that way anymore. It's really about connecting with them very specifically and really mm-hmm. thinking about the location they live in. So, but what about you? Um, I do, 
I do sometimes pay attention to them, kind of like what you're talking about. Like, like if you're formulating something in particular that requires that type of energy, like a Venus energy or, or something like that. Um, or like if I'm doing like a fiery wall of protection oil or something like that, I will um, specifically choose plants that are in the fire element category um, to work with around that. Um, I, I don't feel like it's always necessary to really adhere to that, but it can be really interesting to kind of look at, especially the elemental correspondence Mm -hmm. and how that is expressed in the plant. So like rue is um, technically a fire element plant. And when you smell it, like rue has this great, like spicy kind of, of scent to it. Um, Same Mm -hmm. thing with like rosemary is also like a fire plant. And, And so you can kind of, um, get a feel for sort sort of why it's attached to this type of element or, you know, working with an air plant and then your experience of this plant. And then you can see like, like where did this maybe come from through your interactions with it? Um, mm-hmm. How it smells, how it tastes, how it, where it grows. Um, I, I really, um, if I'm looking for like solar energy to bring in, um, it's always St. John's work. Because St. Yes. John's work grows at the height of summer in just baking direct sunlight that's just pounding down onto it. And they're beautiful yellow flowers. And so if I'm looking for solar energy, um, then I'll, I'll, I'll work with St. John's work. And, and those of us or those who are um, familiar with herbalism and working with St. John's work, you know that when you, especially when you work with the fresh plant and you tincture it or you put it into an oil, um, they turn red. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a really interesting sort of magic trick to have with a plant. Yeah. It almost looks like blood, especially the oil. Mm. It gets like kind of bloody looking. It's beautiful. I love That's it. Gorgeous. It's like the blood of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. I love that. You know, I think one thing I wanted to share real quick too, is like a lot of the times I get confused with planetary correspondences and plants. Cause I was just thinking of yarrow and it's considered a Mars plant. But it also has another name, um, which is the brow of Venus, um, because the leaves look like the oh. eyebrow of Venus. I've always wanted to dress as a yarrow plant for Halloween and put leaves on my eyebrows and be the. <laughs> oh my god! Do it now, just like going to the store, just like right? Safeway yarrow brows. It would be such a great uh, costume, and really, like then you can like embody yarrow as well. But like. Yarrow's a soldier's wound wart. So it's like, mm-hmm. to me, there's like these two, like Venus and Mars, you know what I mean? So t- sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just like, let the, you know, just like let the plant speak to you. Don't, you know, books are handy, mm-hmm. but listen to the plant first and what they have to tell you. Exactly. It's, I always kind of think of the, the planetary or the element correspondence as kind of like it's sun sign, you know, like, okay, this is maybe the one that it has like the most intensely, but also mm-hmm. there are parts of it that are, you know, maybe this is a, a Venus plant, but there are also parts of it that are very Mars oriented or there's, you know, plants are like us. They're, they're very complicated and have very, many different sides and um, kind of personality traits. And so it's hard to kind of pigeonhole them as one specific thing. So I, I do mm-hmm. think that that's important to talk about, that they all things are present in all things. It's just in varying quantities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are going to go through a few of these here real quick. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you guys some of our um, our top favorites when it comes to different categories of plants. These are kind of our top picks. We're going to give you about two to four 
in every category that we like to work with, starting with protection plants. What are some of your your go-tos or or at least the ones you'd like to highlight here today? Um, Y'all probably already know the answer to this one. It's rue. Rue, rue, rue. (laughs) Really is just all around a fantastic protecting plant. Rue also to me smells absolutely fantastic. I love the smell of rue. Who else is protective? You know who's protective that gets overlooked is mint. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Mint is great. I have a couple of pots of mint growing in my, uh, on my porch mm-hmm. and, um, you know, Angelica lens, fantastic, mm-hmm. loving protection rose, you know, especially considering the thorns, a lot of people pigeonhole rose as a love plant, but, um, they are very protective. Michelle get you. Mm-hmm. What about you? You know, I love a good, um, I have to remember the actual name for it. I call it black snake root. Um, it's black cohosh root. Yes. Um, very fiercely protective. Really like to work with that one. Um, and I love when you bring up Angelica. And a lot of times people work with the Angelica root, which I totally understand. I do have kind of a deep love of the leaves, though, because they mm-hmm. have this scent where if you get Angelica leaves and you kind of like crush them up and smell them, they're very... Um, like peppery, almost like arugula in that way, where they're kind of like, um, yeah, very kind of peppery, very fiery. And so I'm like, oh, like I understand why, you know, you're maybe in this fire element situation or or kind of related to St. Michael with this kind of fiery smelling um, leaves and whatnot. So I, I like to kind of use the whole plant when Angelica is concerned. Um, and I, again, I really don't think that people should discount lavender. Lavender is always seen as being very, very dainty, but um, it's so intensely powerful that like, and and if I'm doing um, like a home cleansing for people where they have like a negative entity in their home or whatever, I will make little, um, little sachets with like um, a little bit of lavender and some rosemary and like a saint's metal in them. And then I'll place those kind of around their home. And that kind of keeps them keep anything from coming back. Um, which is really helpful. So yeah, definitely do not discount lavender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And lavender is also really great to burn. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the fragrance of lavender when it's burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about cleansing plants? If we're going to be scrubbing ourselves or scrubbing our homes of that evil eye or whatever it is that we're getting rid of, which ones are we recommending? Hiss up. Hyssop is so lovely, Um, especially if you get, so um, you can grow hyssop pretty easily. Um, But um, you know what, y'all, I'm just going to be straight up with you. I'm a terrible gardener. I got to get better (laughs) at it. But you know what? I also, here's an excuse. I live in a neighborhood filled with deer. So my efforts and squirrels and cats, I put out a catnip plant in my front yard, gone the next day, just decimated. I was just like, come on. I just want a little catnip. (laughs) So hyssop is one. Um, rosemary. I really, really love rosemary. Salt, which mm-hmm. I know, uh, not a plant, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Still in that same category. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm going to kind of borrow from you, Jay, lemon. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love yeah. using lemon for cleansing, especially when it comes to like clearing up bad luck. Um, mm-hmm. Really helpful. 
Um, I'm going to borrow from you too a little bit and talk about mint in the cleansing because it, sometimes they, they do have this sort of um, double usage where, where mint is, is a very cleansing, a very uplifting, a very a very sort of rejuvenating uh, scent to it that's kind of constantly cleansing. And in that manner, it's also protective because it's constantly mm-hmm. just scrubbing everything around it. And so it's very hard to get anything nasty past it while it's, you know, constantly being cleansed and it has this wonderful fragrance to it that I absolutely love. And for cleansing, I also love using like agrimony is really great, especially if you are facing something like a, a hex or whatever it is. Um, that's wonderful. And of course, Rosemary, I'm with you on that one too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now we of course have the one that everyone wants to know about, which is love plants. Love. Love, love, love. Thing. Of um, course, Rose. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, Damiana. She'll get you pregnant. Be careful. Yes. Be She's very spicy. careful. <laughs> Um, if you want to cultivate friendship, this one gets overlooked a lot is clove. Mm-hmm. Clove really does help with friendship and friend building. Um, and balm of Gilead, which is the buds from cottonwood trees or poplar trees. They're aromatic resinous buds. And when you go picking them, your hands will get super bright yellow and sticky. You know, I really, and it it also helps with cultivating friendship and reconciliation Mm -hmm. and the softness of the heart is what I think of a lot with Balm of Gilead. So that's Mm -hmm. one that gets overlooked. And yeah, especially with like reconciliation, like maybe you had a spat with your partner or your friend or something like that. Because I think love goes, you know, beyond just romance, Mm -hmm. Um, like love with a friend and whatnot. That can be really helpful. I like that, especially if we're talking like friendship too, or just kind of like personal relationships that aren't necessarily romantic. Um, I love to use apple blossoms. Apple blossoms are very calming. They bring in a lot of peace. They open communication. Um, So I use those a lot, especially like if I'm going to be having maybe like a family event that proves to be very um, like tense, you know, someone's bringing their ex-wife to the Thanksgiving day dinner or whatever, like um, utilizing apple blossoms is really helpful for getting all of that to calm down. Um, Mm -hmm. I also like to use um, cinnamon. Cinnamon is wonderful for uh, love and romance magic and uh, lemon balm. Mm, Lemon mm -hmm. balm is an aphrodisiac and also at the same time as well, um, it's really good for clearing up crossed love conditions. So if you feel like you're kind of junk or I was going to say hinkster or jinxed jinxed or hexed (laughs) uh, in the love department, um, working with lemon balm is going to be helpful for that. Mm, I love that. I love lemon balm so much. Absolutely. So how about uh, luck or success plants? Things to, for maybe your job interview or. Hmm. This is an area that I always get stumped. I'm like luck because like, it's like, what kind of luck are we talking about? You know what I mean? Hmm. And a lot of the time, especially like within conjure or hoodoo, a lot of luck plants are associated with gambling luck Hmm. and Mm -hmm. betting or, you know, dreaming of lucky numbers and stuff like that. So I kind of know that just from like memorization, like calendula, um, allspice or mm-hmm. grains of paradise and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I was about to say alligator paw, but I'm like plants, Britain, plants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love high John the Conqueror root. Mm-hmm. 
one of my favorites when it comes to success and overall luck and just boosting everything. It's just like super powerful root. Uh, one of my favorites. I do love that. That's an excellent one. Um, I always like to reach for five finger grass, also known as synchrofoil when it comes to luck. Um, also things like, um, like orange peel cinnamon is also very good for luck. Um, devil's shoestring is great for luck. Um, I did have one that was really good a second ago. And it's gone forever. That's fine. Um, now here, taking a darker turn, hexing Ooh. plants. We're going to take out the trash. What may or may not be one of the plants that you uh, that you reach for? I'm going to reach for black pepper and hot chilies. That's, Absolutely. That's exactly where I default. I'm just like, bust it out. Yep. Yep. Get some of that black pepper. That's great for not only just bringing like... Uh, Pepper has such um, intense body to it that it's very nice for kind of like like a hammer kind of effect. Um, I also love to work with the chilies. I think people sleep on that one too much. Um, One that is surprising that a lot of people don't necessarily know about is um, I like to work with patchouli when it comes to um, kind of hex work because it is so heavy. And it is so intense. It really adds a good amount of body to it. So if I'm going to make like a hex oil or whatever, um, I will generally add patchouli to it for that kind of intensity of that kind of hammer effect to it. Huh. Interesting. I've never heard of patchouli being used that way. That's really interesting. Yeah. It'll get you. It'll get you. Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. I mean, like we all know of the hippie who walks through the co-op in the store, you know, and you're just like, Oh God, it's very overpowering. Very overpowering. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so our last two categories, they, they kind of go together. And I just kind of threw this in at the end, because this is a categorization that I have in my brain for plants. And I don't know if you have it in yours too, but um, plants that I consider like holy and unholy plants. Yes. I saw that y'all, we have like a document that Jay and I look at when we're doing the podcast here. And I was like, unholy just to stay plants. on track. <laughs> Just to stay on track, because, hey, I'm, well, I got an ADHD brain. I need a, a list here. I, I, yeah, when I saw the unholy plants, I was like, whoa, new concept. I've never really thought about plants as, like, holy or unholy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, for holy plants, I automatically think of Angelica. Mm-hmm. Angelica, like, even in the name, you know, it's angelic. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think of angels um, and whatnot. Um, I also think of rosemary as being quite a holy plant and, you know, like the sprigs you can dip in water and like flick Mm -hmm. around your space. Bay leaves. Mm -hmm. This is just what's off the top of my head. I don't know if this is, if they're very specifically holy, but I think of bay leaves like a crown, you know, a bay laurel around, you know, your crown and or whatnot. But for unholy plants, I think of the baneful plants, the Mm -hmm. plants of witches such as henbane, um, belladonna, mm-hmm. and things like that. And maybe asafoetida. Ooh, yeah. Literally, <laughs> it is the devil's dung. <laughs> Some stinky shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about mm. you? I want to hear your take on this. So, holy plants, I, I kind of have like a few different sort of categories of them. So, for holy plants, I think of things like um, blessed thistle. Oh, right. 
then then we also have kind of like some of the biblical plants, things like you're talking about spikenard, um, hyssop, um, I, I find to be kind of very holy. Um, and yet again, at the same time, when I think of holiness, I, I kind of think of this sort of like this very, um, very honest, very bright sort of, of energy that they have. And so I, I think about things like, like chickweed, which is such kind of this quiet little voice and, but it has these beautiful little bright white flowers on it or, um, Mm -hmm. plants like prairie star that are Mm -hmm. so just, they're, they're small and they're quiet, but they have so much, um, kind of going for them that, that I, mm-hmm. I really think that's interesting. We also have other plants too, like, um, like vervain um, is sometimes called um, herb of the cross, which is association that, that I work with it as well. And actually that was the association that got me to work with it for road opening um, because the Abre Camino plant that a lot of people use for road opening is very hard to get. It's an exotic plant. You have to like fly it in from other places. And when you're, when you're buying it dried and sifted off Etsy, like it's sometimes it's just sawdust. Like, um, so I, I like to substitute for things that I have access to. And so blue vervain is one that I've actually used for a long time for road opening and found it to be very, very successful. Um, cool. unholy plants. I think of I'm I'm with you on kind of some of like the witches plants, some of the the, the poison plants, um, but also things like blackberry, as well. Yes, um, mm. and things like devil's club, too. Mm-hmm. Like the really just like intensely thorny, like just here to fuck shit up um, kind of plants mm-hmm. that I really love. So, yeah, those are some some of the associations that I have there. I love that. That's a really interesting distinction. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. So I just want to kind of throw that out there because that's just something that I do in my brain. <laughs> I'm not sure if anybody else does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that is plant magic. That we're Hi, y'all. About. Get out there and get to know your local plants. Talk with them. Gently touch them with permission. I always like to ask a little permission before I go hug a tree. Yeah. You know, if a random stranger walked up to me and hugged me, I'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Could you not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So remember, plants are people, y'all. All right. And with that, do witchcraft. Do it. Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.